Welcome to Talking Europe from the European Parliament here in Strasbourg. Now, eight months before the U.S. presidential election, the specter of a second Donald Trump presidency is stalking America. Now, depending on whom you believe, the world's biggest superpower is either sleepwalking into dictatorship or everyone just needs to chill out. Now, there are many unknowns, obviously, in this election. But America's full of all of these dystopian warnings that Donald Trump's presidency, again, would bring fear and chaos. Europeans, too, are bracing for the impact of a Donald Trump 2.0, a reboot of Donald Trump. And uh, with me today are two MEPs who are very much involved in Europe's relations with Europe. And they, too, are facing up to the question of what should be Europe be doing to prepare. Um, first, I have Jak Madison. Uh, welcome. You are an Estonian MEP, and you sit with the, the right-wing identity and democracy uh, group here in the, in the parliament. Uh, you're involved in the delegation that uh, deals with relations with the United States, specifically. And also facing off is Jeliana Zovko. I got it right? Yes. Absolutely. Jelena, a Croatian MEP. And you are with the, the center-right European People's Party, the largest grouping here in the European Parliament. You too. You are actually uh, the, the, the vice chair of your party's uh, commission for relations with the U.S. Congress and also a member of the delegation for the United States. This is a mouthful, but just so you know, they both know the U.S. and they both have to face the prospect of Trump. Yak, I'm going to cut right to the chase, okay? All right. Go ahead. You're sitting there humbly, okay? <laughs> I, I, I see, but I have to ask you. <laughs> Viewers, Yak, a few years ago, nominated, was on, among people who nominated Donald Trump for a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm not making that up, right, Yak? You absolutely did. Correct, absolutely correct. Okay. Correct. I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you why. Why? And I want to ask you, does that mean you are among the very few Europeans, let alone Estonians, who are not fearful at all of the prospect of a return of Donald Trump? I think we shouldn't be, like, very feared. Uh, because, well, the fact is that the U.S. has a democracy. They have their own elections. They will elect themselves for the next president. And... If you're coming from a very small state like Estonia or even from Croatia, you have to manage with any kind of president of the United States. So finally, it is not our business to say that, oh, we prefer like Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, because it doesn't matter like who are sitting in the White House. Our interest is to have a normal relations with the U.S. and to have a normal partnership in the NATO. But why I nominated Trump uh, for a Nobel Peace Prize, there are especially like two factors. The first of all, it was the first time in the last 30 years when Russia didn't start any kind of new war or aggression during the Trump's period for four years. And for us, if you're a neighbor for Russia, uh, uh, it was a very important question. Okay, so that was before 2022. We're going back. Do you still feel the same way today? Would you nominate well, him I'm today? Just, I'm just looking at the facts. Well, it's easy, like, to read on the newspapers, like, the here titles that, oh, Trump is coming back, oh, he's a friend of Putin. I'm just looking at the facts. The fact was that Trump started to give, again, military aid to Ukraine. Biden, stop it. Biden has been very slow to give a really uh, weapon to Ukraine, what will help Ukraine to fight against the Russian aggression, the artifacts. Also, Trump was, of course, like... He's been slow while well, the Republicans in Congress are well, right now holding up. Yeah, that, that but finally, is. I think Trump was absolutely right also for, for the Europeans, because finally, why do Americans have to pay 65% of their NATO budget while Europeans 
are just, you know, taking it easy. Hey, let the American pays. It's I, their duty. And then we are sitting here in Estonia. We are paying over 3% of the GDP to our defense. Ooh. And when we're watching other Germans or French or Spanish, and they're like, well, we still have some time. Don't rush. Oh, we have Americans okay. there. Okay. So it's fair enough to say that Trump, yes, is unpredictable sometimes. Oh. It's true. But on the other hand, I'm just looking at the results. And the result was that Russians were keeping there where they are. Jelania, you just heard Yak say, I heard him say it, I hope you heard him too. He said, it doesn't really matter ultimately who's sitting in the White House. He comes from Estonia. It's a frontline state on the border with Russia. His country knows what Russia's aggression's about. What do you, how do you respond when you hear him say this? It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> well, I didn't say exactly that. You said it doesn't really matter in the end. It doesn't really matter that we have to choose the sides. What but it's which Donald kind of Trump, we support, okay. we have to manage with any kind of president in the White House. I understand, but Donald, Jelania, I put to you, Donald <laughs> Trump's not like any other president if he's re-elected. Um, right, but uh, who are we to judge who will be elected? So we are democracy and respect democracy in the United States. And we hope that these democratic elections be, will be really democratic and respected by, uh, by all the citizens of the United States and to have a full... Uh, um, president who is also uh, in control, he's not the only institution that is controlling American foreign policy. That's a co there, there is a Congress, there is a Senate. But and the Congress would presumably be doing whatever Trump says they should do. I don't think that the uh, um, United States of America is autocracy. It's a democracy. It's a beacon of, uh, so of, of hope. So we, we are, um, what I'm doing on behalf of my group is I'm building bridges between Democrats and Republicans. And we have a chairman of foreign affairs delegations now that we are having this transatlantic uh, legislative dialogue who is coming from the Republicans. And uh, this is bipartisan delegation. And we are having uh, good relations with both parties. So we are not, we are representative of democratically elected representatives right. of citizens and we are not making uh, distinctions, but, but we are trying to make the same um, uh, lines because for us the key issue is um, to have uh, more investment in European defense, to have more uh, seriousness about our own protection and uh, today President of the Commission Ursula von der Leyen was talking about that. We are voting on the CSDP report on uh, our common uh, security and foreign policy. NATO is uh, our key umbrella, but European pillar is something that we have to strengthen. So we are working hand in hand with Americans on that. I, I, I hear you. However, I still have to ask you, when Donald Trump suggests, he hasn't said it explicitly, it suggests he would pull the U.S. perhaps out of NATO altogether, he would pull the funding on Ukraine, he would let Russia do what it wants with allies who do not pay up to their NATO dues. When you hear those statements, don't your eyebrows go up a little bit? That's uh, unfortunate statements that uh, I still presume are given in the pre-election, in the election campaign. It's and just political statements. It's campaign. Absolutely. I don't, I, I don't consider them serious. And uh, you, taking into account the, the conversations I had with Republicans, that is out of uh, question. And they're concerned as well about the situation in Ukraine, about Russian aggressive approach. And I, I can see bipartisan uh, approach that we, they need us 
they need to continue this fight uh, to get Ukraine, freedom of Ukraine, and to finish off this war. So it's uh, in the elections. I mean, everyone is saying all sorts of stuff. And for American public, uh, I would not like to banalize it, but you are not using bureaucratic talks. And Trump is a populist. And uh, Trump's a populist. Listen. It's fair when I say to you that you are from a right-wing party. I could even say you're from a far-right grouping, right? That you don't take exception to that. Identity and democracy, for many people, is considered a party of the far-right. And you, you acknowledge that Russia has been a clear and present danger to a lot of frontline states. You wrote this recently. Absolutely. How do you reconcile that with the fact that you have a president who potentially Donald Trump cozies up to, admires authoritarian leaders such as Vladimir Putin? First of all, I have to agree with my colleague, because like most of the politicians, actually like 99% of politicians are populist before the elections. They're giving like any kind of promises, whatever is likable in the public to get the votes. And we know it's very well, it's very tight to get the votes of the US. far right to get the votes of far yes. right voters and when, when we were like just like the reading the statements from 2015 16 before the, before the last time elections when trump won the elections they were also very similar i will have a deal with the putin i will go to north korea to meet with rocket man kim jong-un i will have a deal here and there and there but of course the outcome and the result is totally different and the result wasn't bad at all wasn't right. bad at all and and of course like it's very popular for the american public to say why our farmers in Texas have to pay for the security and defense in Europe while they are paying the high pensions for the social health care system, what we don't have it here in America, and we are paying for security. And if they're coming a candidate saying that, well, we don't agree with that, they also have to pay their share. I think it's fair enough, like, to win for elections. But, of course, I really hope and I'm pretty sure that the reality is a bit different. And, uh, and um, of course, Trump uh, will not decide alone in the White House, hey, we're going to just pull out from NATO and we don't care uh, or we don't give a damn, like, in the Eastern Europe. Maybe that will not probably happen. Maybe, maybe not. We have a little time left, I want to ask you. People have been using the term that Europe should be Trump-proofing itself. That is making Europe invulnerable to anything Trump might do. Can Europe defend itself if the U.S. is not behind it? Absolutely not. The European Union cannot defend itself at this moment on its own. No one can be on its own, and not even the United States of America. So we have to build our security, continue building with our transatlantic partner. That include the um, United States, America, and all our like-minded uh, partners. So uh, the fact is we should not lie neither to our citizens nor our voters. Uh, no, one, no one is an island, so no one can defend itself. We have to communicate clearer what mm. the dangers of autocratic regimes are. Uh, I must remind you, it didn't start with Republicans, but it started uh, many years ago when America started pulling itself from uh, north of Africa, when we had Africa, uh, you know, Arab Springs, and then we had all these migration waves, and then we had these pull-out troops in Afghanistan. So um, whoever is uh, elected the president in America, we have to do the communication strategy that is much more clearer, that much more direct, mm. because I see that this was not the case. That's why my job as uh, somebody who is rebuilding these bridges is to go there and to explain. I mean, American, European diaspora has built America, so there is a huge interest as well in their constituency to rebuild these bridges. And uh, as in the Second World War, if you let one dictator take over, there will be some other Jean Monnet going to Roosevelt and, and say... We well, could go all it, the way back yeah, through history. So 
so that's that's you know that's the case. But history is reminding us that uh, Hitler can be born if he just uh, sleepwalk into catastrophe and not do anything to prevent it. And and unfortunately, we are out of time. Jelana has last word there. Uh, so are we sleepwalking right now? As I said at the beginning, into a dictatorship. Is Europe being a little too complacent? Uh, my guests today seem to think that uh, maybe we're all a little overexcited and that things will somehow resolve themselves. I thank both of you for being here, being my guests, and I thank all of you for watching.